Hi, and welcome to Christian Life Fellowship. My name is Pastor John, and this is a recording from Sunday, April 25th by lead pastor Blair Phibbs. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. For uh, those of you in cars and out, those of you under the tents, risking the rain, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, being outside is, is going to have some challenges and a little bit of adventure to it, isn't it? Um, for those of you in your cars, um, just every now and then make sure you, you start your vehicle, okay? Um, last week we had, to, we had to give jump somebody because their battery died. So just a, just a reminder, um, it's okay. We won't, uh, nobody will glare at you and unless you have big ho huge holes in your muffler or something, then we might be distracted. But please, just start your car every now and then. Before we get into uh, today's message, um, which we're starting a new series in the book of Ruth today, um, so if you want to find that, click there or find it in your Bible. Um, I just want to want to tell you something personal. Um, my um, my my uncle, uh, my uncle Joe, who was my dad's brother, he passed away late Friday night, early Saturday morning. Um, my uncle Joe was 92, and he loved Jesus his whole life, as far as I know. The whole my whole life and knowing him, he loved Jesus. Here's what I I want to tell you. Um, as I, I, I messaged my cousin just to, to tell her I was sorry about her dad passing, and, and I was reflecting on his life and his impact on me. And one of the things I remember is as a young boy, my Uncle Joe and my, his wife, my Aunt Dolly, they would pick me up almost every week and take me to their church, to a program in their church. And uh, they did that for, for years. I, I don't know when. It was called Crusaders, which... I understand isn't politically correct anymore, but um, uh, that's what it was called. I remember it. It had an impact on my life. I, I went, you know, from the time I was six or seven to probably till about ten. I'm, I'm telling you that because I have no doubt that that just faithful act of picking me up and taking me had a huge impact and influence in my later decision to follow Christ because I, I committed my life to Christ when I was 18. And uh, I, I just wanted to, to um, I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to encourage you that just simple, faithful acts for God will make a difference, an eternal difference in somebody else's life. Don't, don't ever underestimate that. And um, I'm so grateful for my Uncle Joe and my Aunt Dolly and, and what they did for me. And so, uh, well, you know, I, I'm sure they wondered <laughs> if it was actually having, making any difference, having any, any impact. It certainly did. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to encourage you with that this morning. So, in the Bible, there is a woman named Ruth, and her story is, is one of, honestly, it's, it's a story of heartbreak, of disappointment, of dedication, and, and ultimately, redemption. And... Um, I asked you this question right at the start. Have you ever experienced redemption in your life? And, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you made a bad decision or you just found yourself stuck somewhere in life and somebody came along and helped you out and, and lifted you up so that you could keep going. Um, that is redemption at work in our lives. And, um, and so we're going to spend the next month or so uh, the next month, looking at the story of Ruth. Now, the story of Ruth happened about 3,000 years ago, but it still has lots to say to us today. 
You can find it in the Old Testament. It's just after the book of Judges and just before 1 Samuel. It's only four chapters long, and it's been described as a small story, or a, a short story with, with a, um, hold on, let me, a small book with a big story. That's how it's, it's been described, as a small book with a big story. And so uh, some things to know. There's three main characters in the story of Ruth, and, and, and if you are unfamiliar with it, you could sit and read it even, even this morning, but three main characters, Ruth, makes sense, right? The book's named after her, Naomi, and Boaz. Now, Naomi and Boaz are from the nation of Israel. Ruth is from the nation of Moab. Lots of times throughout history, Israel and Moab were at war with one another, um, but that that was not the case right here in the book of Ruth. There actually, it's a time of peace, but in saying that, it was also a time of great difficulty. The reason it was a time of great difficulty is because there was a significant famine throughout the land, throughout the region, um, that was affecting Israel. Uh, probably even worse than the toilet paper shortage of 2020, I'm sure. Um, and so, you know, the, the nation of Israel was only supposed to worship and serve the one true God. And they were not following through on that and on that commitment. And the result of it was that they found themselves in all kinds of problems, the famine being one of them. And so uh, this story takes place, it, verse 1, it tells it this, that this story takes place in the time of Judges. So what does that mean? Well, the time of Judges is about a 400-year period of general oppression for the nation of Israel, um, where other nations came and ruled over them. Uh, they weren't ruled by kings at this point in time, but by periodic deliverers or judges that God would raise up and then use to turn the nation of Israel back to him because they kept wandering away and straying away and, and worshiping and serving other, other gods or just not following what God had wanted them to do. So to give you an idea of what the culture was like back at this time, um, it, it actually describes it in the book of Judges, and uh, it says that the culture was like this. It says that everyone did was what was right in their own eyes. That's what it was like at this point in time when we are entering into the Book of Ruth. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it, uh, um, and yet in the midst of it, God is at work. God's at work, even in the midst of that. One of the really interesting or kind of neat things to know about the Book of Ruth is that there isn't one mention of a miracle. Um, there, there isn't, uh, no one has a vision from God. There aren't any angels that appear throughout the whole book. Um, and instead, what it is, it's, it's God working through everyday life and culture, through people who choose to do what was right and godly. And so right from the start of this series, what, what I want us to hang, I want us all to hang on to this thought. You know, the Bible's full of miracles, of visions, and angels appearing, and, and I want all those things for us. But don't ever lose sight of this truth, that God also works through our everyday choices when we choose to honor him through those choices. That's part of why I was telling you about my Uncle Joe. Right? He, he made a choice. He picked me up every week. He invested in me, and it made a difference. Don't ever underestimate Right, the, the choice of, of, of serving God, regardless of what you see happening all around you. So, in saying that, let, let's get into the story. As I already said, there, there's a famine in Israel. And, um, and it, it starts out, the book starts out describing that a man named Elimelech, 
uh, he's married to Naomi. And they, with their two sons, Malon and Kalion, or Kilion, I'm not really sure how you pronounce that one. I, I'm going to call him Kalion. They move from Bethlehem to Moab. Right, so they're, and the reason they're doing that is because of the famine in Israel. They're hoping to find a better life. So they're leaving their, their nation, going to another one. Um, so they're living in, so Israel, they're living in the promised land. And so when they leave Israel, when they leave the promised land, what they're really saying, what they're really indicating is that they didn't trust God. Okay, God, God repeatedly said to Israel, I'm going to give you this land, I'm, and it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give it to you. And, um, and so by leaving, what they're really saying, what they're indicating is that they don't trust God to take care of them through the famine. And in their own mind, they clearly think that they have a better plan, that they have something better in mind. They weren't trusting God with his promises. You see, Bethlehem was like a rich farming community, but times were tough right then. God had promised, God had promised Israel that if they would obey, if they would follow the things that he told them to do, you can find this in Deuteronomy chapter, in Deuteronomy 11, God had said, if you do what, I, if you do what I'm, I'm asking you to do, if you, do the command, if you follow my commandments, you know, I'll always take care of you. you. Your crops will grow and everything will be good. You'll always have food. And so what, what this meant, like a famine, they understood. They would have known and understood that the famine meant that they um, had disobeyed, that they weren't obedient as a nation. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you've maybe noticed that in your life, that whenever you think that you know better than God, it usually ends up getting you in trouble, right? I, it's not just me that, that's noticed that, I, I don't think, right? So whenever we think we know better than God, we're just going to end up in trouble. And so Elimelech and his family, they, they left, they went to Moab, and while they're there, tragedy strikes. Elimelech dies, uh, leaving Naomi alone with her two sons. The two boys take Moab uh, women as wives. Orpah and Ruth are their names. And this is, of course, where we get one of the main characters, Ruth. The thing is that God had already told the nation of Israel, he'd already told them not to marry people from other nations that didn't serve him, that didn't you know, worship and serve him. He told them that because he knew and understood that they would bring polytheism which is believing that there's more than one God, ruled the day. And so, you know, you'd get married to somebody that had all these gods and you would just accept them and you would begin to worship them as well. And God was like, no, that's not how this is going to work. So don't marry people from other nations. That was the reasoning for it. And yet, you know, Naomi, who would have had some say and influence in this, sets, his, sets her sons up to marry two Moabite women. They could have gone back to Israel. They chose not to. Um, and so there's just this one more act of choosing not to, to listen to what God is, is doing, not trusting God. And, and you've, you've maybe noticed in your life, if you don't trust God in one difficult situation, it, it makes, it makes um, the next decision, makes making a bad decision, the next bad decision, a little bit easier. And, um, and, and I think this is what's happening here. The story keeps going. About 10 years later, both sons die. Malon and Kalion both die. And so now there's three widows, right? Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. Uh, 
I told you this story, right, had tragedy and, and difficulty. Don't worry, it does get better. Um, it isn't all just depressing stuff, but it is, it is difficult. So here's what we all need to know as far as understanding the culture of this time. To be a childless widow was um, you would be considered the lowest, most disadvantaged class in the ancient world. There was no one to support you um, because you would have had to live off the generosity of strangers. Very different than our culture now. And what would happen is that was often a very tragic life for that woman. Naomi had no family in Moab. She didn't have anybody to help her. It was a desperate situation for her. But in that, it tells us that in verse 6, it tells us that Naomi had heard that God was doing good things back in Israel, right? The famine was ended and there was food. So she decides she should return home. Both Orpah and Ruth had family ties in Moab. So it made sense, right, for Naomi to encourage them to stay and instead of going with her to a new land, to, to Israel with her. So, you know, she says in verse 8, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown your kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Right? Naomi is you know, showing favor towards both Orpah and Ruth. And it says in verse 9 that she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud. And, and I think that's significant because what it shows us is that there is clearly a very deep and real relationship here between these women. They love one another. And one of the things that, that often happens in us as human beings is that when we walk through tough times with other people, it actually causes us to carry, care more deeply for them. And I think that's what we see going on here. They love and care for one another. And in that, right, the daughters want to go with Naomi. And uh, the daughter-in-laws, they, they, they say they want to go, but Naomi pleads with them to stay in Moab. And so uh, another thing to know about this, in ancient Israel, if, uh, if a young woman was left widowed uh, without having had a son, then one of her brother-in-laws was responsible for being a surrogate father and providing her with a son, which is why Naomi actually describes them and says, I don't have any more sons to give you, and if I had one, would you wait? It, it didn't make sense. And, but that's why she's saying that. And then in verse 13, she makes this statement that really describes why she's so overwhelmed in this situation. She says this, she says, the Lord's hand is turned against me. I mean, you, 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 can, you can feel the sense of remorse in the statement. She's realizing, you know, I, I thought I knew better than God. Um, I thought trusting God in the famine was going to be too hard and yet it's just led me into greater difficulty. This is a tough lesson. And um, I just, again, I want to encourage you, this story gets way better, okay? So hang in there. But she's realizing what's happened, that she's had a part to play in the difficulties that she's experienced. And yet, even though she thinks that, Naomi decides to return to Israel and the implication there is that by returning to Israel, she's returning to God. 
Her response to thinking that God had turned against her was not anger, it wasn't bitterness, but to return to him because he was the only one that could save her. You know, for you and I, there are certainly times where our poor choices create difficulties in our lives. And, and the thing is, the best response that we could ever have in those situations is to turn to God, to look to him for help, because he's the only one that can truly save us, that can really rescue us. So Orpah decides to leave and to go home, but Ruth is determined to stay with Naomi. And she, she states her commitment in verse 16. She says this. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So Ruth is willing to leave behind her family, her culture, um, her country, everything that she's ever known. She's willing to leave it behind to follow God. And it, it would seem clear that Naomi's relationship with God has had an impact on Ruth, where she's willing now to leave everything behind to follow Naomi and God. The thing is, right, our lives don't have to be perfect. Our lives don't have to be without difficulty for God to use us. Even when we make poor choices, and that's the cause of our difficulty, and we often think that that somehow disqualifies us from God using us. But the fact is that when we make poor choices, and it's the cause of our difficulty, if we turn back to God, he will even use that to influence other people. Because God is just that good to us. Don't let your past or your poor choices stop you from going to God. None of us should do that. And so after arriving home in Bethlehem, um, people are really excited to see Naomi. They're happy that she's back. They're wondering if it's really her. And what it tells us is that Naomi's name means pleasant, but she says to everybody, don't, don't call me Naomi, don't call me Pleasant, but call me Mara. And that, that name means bitter. That's verse 20. So she's saying to everybody, you, you, my name now is bitter. She, here's the thing, right? She's not hiding her problems. She's not pretending that everything is okay. She was honest, and she told them that her life had been difficult and bitter. And in verse 21... She says, I went away full, meaning her husband and her sons. But the Lord brought me home empty. She says, why call me Naomi when the Lord's caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent tragedy upon me? This, this is a tough statement, right? And so you could read this as though she's blaming God. But truthfully, I think it's just a very honest and raw statement that wasn't afraid to see God's hand at work in her troubles that she had a part in creating. The Bible tells us, right, that God will correct and discipline us and that we should <laughs> enjoy that and be happy about it because he only disciplines those that he loves, right? He's a good father. And, yet, and so that's what I think is happening here. 
She's recognizing this wasn't fate. It wasn't chance or just bad luck. She understood that God was in it all and through it all. Here's the thing to know about Naomi right here. She chose to embrace humility instead of bitterness. She chose to repent, to turn back to God instead of being angry with him. Doesn't mean that she liked what was happening in her life, but she had determined that she would keep her heart and mind soft to him. Even though she says, I'm bitter, she's, she's turned back to God with that emotion, with that state of mind and state of being. She didn't like what was happening to her. And yet she knew that turning to God was her only hope for redemption, for a future. And if you don't know the story, <laughs> if you don't know it already, we will see redemption at work within the next few weeks. Where God is in all and through all. You know, I think of Romans, which says that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And sometimes I think we, we just imply upon ourselves that when we love God, it means we always make every decision perfectly and right. And should that be the goal? Yeah, of course, we should always look to please God with everything that we do. But we also understand that, that sometimes we do make poor choices. Sometimes we do think we know better than God. Sometimes we don't trust him and his promises to take care of us. And that can lead to some problems or difficulties in our life. And the thing is that in the midst of that, we should always turn back to him every single time. We shouldn't fear him. We, we shouldn't um, allow bitterness or that mistrust to continue to creep into our hearts, but we turn back to him understanding he's the only one that can really rescue us. So here's a couple things to consider in response to the start of this story of Ruth. Elimelech and Naomi, you know, they, they left to avoid the famine. They left thinking, right, that they knew better. Ask yourself this, have you ever been in a situation where you thought it was easier to run from your problem than to trust God in it? I, I think we all have, right? So what I want to encourage you with is to, to just evaluate, just think about that question, take some time with God today, ask him, and ask him if there's problems in your life that you've been avoiding that he wants to, you know, talk to you about, that he wants to show you his promises, that he's calling you to turn back to him in, in that area of your life, in that problem that, that maybe you're running away from or that you are thinking that you know better than him. We all do it, right? And, uh, and yet the, the only way that we'll experience the full redemption of God is by turning back to him at every chance we have. The second thing is this, is to ask yourself if you've allowed any circumstances in your life to make you bitter. If you have, the book of Hebrews tells us that when we allow bitterness to grow down into our heart, that we'll actually miss the grace of God in our lives. And so, and of course, that isn't what God would want for any one of us. And so if, if you spend some time just asking God that question, God, have I allowed any bitters, any difficult circumstances to, to make me bitter? 
then bring it to him and place your trust and your hope in him that he can redeem even that. This is a story, although I mean, I know it starts out rocky, but this is ultimately a story of redemption and how God will work through even the difficulties and the tragedies and the poor choices of our lives to bring about his plan and his purpose for us as we continue to turn back to him and to trust him. All right, so I want to I pray for all of us today that um, because, it, you know, we're, you maybe notice that the world's kind of going through some stuff. And, uh, right, there's, there's some hard times happening. And we need to continually turn back to God. So let's do that, even right now, right here this morning. So where you are, I'm just going to encourage you, you know, if you want, if you shut your eyes and begin just to thank God for who he is. Maybe ask him the questions, you know, God, is there, is there anything I've been running from? Is there a problem that I've been avoiding or running away from that you want to talk to me about? God, is there anything, any areas of bitterness in my heart that you want to remove? That God, as I turn to you, that you want to bring your grace into and heal me and set me free from that bitterness? Father, thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we all recognize that, you know, tough times, difficulty, tragedy in our life, we, we make choices in the midst of it. Holy Spirit, may, may you prompt us, may you, you move us, may you help us in, in those situations to turn back to you, to turn to you. So, Lord, even this week, if, as things happen, as situations arise in our life, or maybe it's the same old situation, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us. We invite you just, just to whisper into our heart, into our, into our ear, that we need to turn back to you. We need to come back to you and trust you. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for your blessing over each and every one of us. God, may you go with us. May you be with us. Thank you so much that we can be here together today. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we worship you. We pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, there is a registration for... Next month is up online if you want to take, take uh, um, and get yourself registered for church. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for coming.